Hello and welcome to the Browns Blitz. Today is Tuesday, October 19th. This is episode number 121. I'm your host, Rod Bloom. Joining me today is my brother, Jeff. Hey, Jeff, how are things going? Uh, it's going, Rod. You know, I'm having a hard time taking anything positive away from Sunday. <laughs> but maybe our guest, Danny, can help us with that. Well, just think of this as a discussion, not necessarily just a, brown, a moment of Brown's suffering or anything like that so, um, just just a time to come together and uh you know have a few you know a drink or two and and uh, talk and we'll see what comes out of it so um you mentioned our guest uh, our guest is uh is uh daniel west uh, follow him at danny cox west on twitter uh daniel how are things going yeah everything's going good just like jeff said i mean rough game on sunday but Nothing they can't come out of, nothing the guys can't turn around. So it was rough, but, you know, they'll turn it around. And like you guys said, just drinking a, drinking a cold beer on a Tuesday night, you can't beat it. That's right. That's right. So um, we'll get we'll get more into your, uh, your fandom and everything and a little bit more about you. But before we kind of kick everything else off, we're going to talk about what we're drinking and our Blitz beverages. And uh, Danny, you're the guest. We're going to let you go first. So um, why don't you talk about what you're uh, what you have in front of you there? OK, yeah. So I got the uh, old reliable bush light. Uh, can't beat it, you know, when you're in a pinch. <laughs> um, and then, like I, I said, uh, you know, I always get this uh, Duclaw beer, Duclaw Brewing in Baltimore. Big shout out to those guys because their their brews are fantastic. But uh, uh, Funk, it's a blueberry citrus wheat. Uh, I, I love it. It's delicious. Um, so that's my secret pleasure, but uh, yeah, right now just Bush Light and the old uh, Funk. I have not seen that Funk in Ohio. Um, you know, I, uh, I I I've had the uh, Sweet Baby Jesus, and that's I love I just love that peanut butter porter that they put out, and I've had a couple of their other beers. Uh, pretty much everything they do is excellent. So, um, but. Uh, but yeah, really good stuff. So I'll, I'll see if I see that around here. But I, I've actually got something in my fridge from them that's a little bit different that I will probably be trying maybe next week on the show. So it's kind of kind of funny how this all lined up. I swear that I didn't plan any of this. I did not talk to to Danny about what he was going to be drinking, about the Bush Light or the Duclaw, either one. I swear, <laughs> it just kind of worked out that way. So. Uh, so uh, Jeff, let's let's throw it over to you and talk about what you have. Well, as I mentioned, Rod, uh, I'm actually on the road this week for business, which doesn't happen a lot. But um, I'm up in Michigan, um, seeing some people this week. So uh, tonight, I checked into the hotel, and I thought I'd run down to the bar before we did our little recording here, um, and they had on tap a uh, Bell's Brewery Two-Hearted IPA. Um, So Bell's Brewery is out of Kalamazoo. And I just figure, well, I'm in Michigan, try Michigan beer, right? Last week we talked about uh, Wisconsin beer. So uh, Two-Hearted IPA is um, 7% alcohol. Um, It's actually, it tastes Tastes pretty good. You talked a little bit about the New England IPAs last week being a little bit less bitter. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I thought I thought this one was a little bit less bitter than than traditional IPAs that I you know have have tasted. Um, you know, kind of citrusy, grapefruity. Uh, so it was kind of nice, but. The story is, is uh, I sat, sat down at the bar and I asked her what was on draft and she told me and um, she, uh, I said, well, let me have one of those IPAs. So she starts to pull the IPA from the, the tap. And I think she tried about six or seven times before she got one that wasn't like, you know, 80% foam. <laughs> so, so, so she hands me the glass and it's like, it's like 60% foam. Okay. And she goes, I'm not going to charge you for that. She says, just go ahead and try it, you know see what you think of it. I said, okay, well, if you're not charging me for that, um, give me a Sam Adams and I'll start on that while I'm waiting for, you know, this IPA to, to settle down a little bit. Um, so anyway, I went back to the IPA once it settled down a little bit. I enjoyed it. Uh, and right now I'm just kind of finishing off that, that Sam Adams lager. Um, so that's what a Tuesday night is, is like um, on the road for me. Nice, nice. I've had some, I've had a couple of bells, not uh, not like together or anything, just one here and there. So um, it's it's not a brewery I've had you know very often. So don't really have uh, a concrete opinion one way or the other. So that's a that's a good one to bring up, definitely. Well, definitely. I learned just by by looking them up that they do have a tasting room at the brewery. So if I get out to Kalamazoo one of these trips, I may just stop in there and check out their lineup. Yeah. Yeah, sounds good. Sounds good. Well, guys, I'm drinking. I'm drinking a beer from from New Belgium. Um, you know, I, I drink Fat Tire a bit. Uh, just cause it's a good standby for me. Uh, just like the just like the flavor. Um, nice beer. But I think New Belgium puts out some pretty good stuff. Uh, this is a uh, this is a Belgian Reserve. So this is like a special label, but it is a Orange, it is a honey orange triple. So a Belgian style ale brewed with wild African honey and fresh ground Seville orange peel. And if you guys aren't aware, whenever you see the word triple or quad, it usually means the alcohol percentage is pretty high. So um, this is a 10% alcohol. So uh, wow. <laughs> so I'll be I'll be drinking one beer to your two. Um, All right tonight. <laughs> And things will probably pretty much even out, I would say. So, um, but but yeah, I mean, you you can taste the the orange and the honey and uh, a bit, you know. But um, you know, when when it is a triple, it's it's a pretty robust beer. So the orange and the honey kind of um, kind of makes it you know a little easier drinking, I would say. So to me, it, it's it's pretty it's a pretty darn good beer. So I, I would recommend it, but you got to keep in mind it's ten percent. So don't sit down with a six pack and expect and expect to uh, to uh, get rid of all Survive these. Survive the night. Yeah, unless you're <laughs> you know unless you're a heck of a lot bigger drinker than I am, I can tell you that because yeah <laughs> yeah one's gonna be good for me guys. <laughs> but anyways, um, nice segment there. All right, so we're gonna move on to. Uh, to talk about Danny's uh, fandom uh, with the Browns. Um, Danny, we just want to give you a chance to talk about, uh, you know, how you became a Browns fan and, um, you know, anything that you'd like to share on that path, you know, either experiences, you know, favorite players, things like that. And, um, 
I'm not even sure where you're joining us from. So maybe you can kind of throw that in there too. Yeah, sure thing. So I'm actually joining you from Maryland. Um, I live around Frederick, Maryland. It's Western Maryland. It's beautiful out here. Um, but like I said before, I'm in the military, so I do travel quite a bit. Um, I actually became a Browns fan. I didn't really have an NFL team growing up. I'm from Georgia originally, and my dad's from Oklahoma. So how I became a Browns fan is I grew up a big Oklahoma Sooner fan, uh, huge on OU football, you know, the Jason White, Adrian Peterson, Sam Bradford, Baker Mayfield, Kyler, like all those guys, like all those names you think of when you think about Oklahoma, DeMarco Murray. Um, huge fan. And Baker just stuck with me, just like his play style, his attitude, his confidence. And just that, you know, if you guys have ever watched, I don't know if y'all watch college football at all or not, but mm-hmm. he was kind of the first quarterback that had that bravado. Like, outside of Cam Newton. I think Cam Newton might have been the first. But outside of Cam Newton, Baker Mayfield was probably the next guy that had that, like, big bravado. Like, I'm going to go out here. I'm going to win. I'm going to take over the game. I'm going to control the game. And I don't care if you like it or not. And that just stuck with me. So I became a huge fan. And honestly, I'll be straight honest with you guys. Had he not been picked by the Browns, I may not be a Browns fan today. But but saying that, that's how I became a Browns fan. And I've been a Browns fan since that 2018 year. Um, just because I didn't really have a team. So when I found a player that I just like tr- like really liked and just you know felt like I wanted to follow, I knew he would turn it around. And as you guys know, you know, going one and thirty one is not easy. I don't know how long I've been Browns fans, probably for a long time. Long um, time. And it's just been t- and it's been tough for you guys. And like I just I understand, sympathize. And as an OU fan, I know we have a lot of success. But also OU has a big reputation of getting to the big stage and kind of just like not performing. Um, so I just knew he would turn around there and he, and he has, you know, and I just expect big things from him. And that say what you want about John Dorsey, but that 2018 draft class was huge. You uh-huh. got my miles in 2017 and then 2018, you land Baker Chubb and Ward, which I mean, give me a better draft class. I dare you. Um, so, yeah, i just been with the team ever since that. And I'm ride or die now. Like, <laughs> I mean, whatever happens, I don't care if they go three and 14 this year. I'm on the, I'm on it. Like, whatever. I'm, I'm a ride or die fan at this point, no matter that or the record. Um, yeah, I just, I love the front office, love the coaching staff, love the organization, love all the players, watch all of the interviews. Building the Browns, love that. Love the building the Browns. I mean, I watch all of it. So, yeah, this is how I got started. So, I have to ask this: if if something happens in the next uh, couple seasons where where Baker is not with the Browns any longer, are you, you going to follow Baker, or, or or would you stick with the Browns at that point? You know, I would honestly do both, and I wouldn't. So that's kind of the problem I would have is like, okay, let's say Baker got traded. Um, I'd have to follow him. I'm just like, I'm big on Baker. Uh, I, I grew up on college football. I'm from Georgia. And as, I don't know if you guys know or not, but in the South, college football is, <laughs> I mean, that's, <laughs> it's huge. Mm-hmm. Um, so right. I grew up on college football and like, I just, 
like Baker's my guy, and I would follow him for sure, but I would still be on that. I would still watch the Browns, and I'd still be huge on the Browns, and I would still love the success. Like, even if it would be like a, uh, if the somehow Baker played against the Browns in a huge game, man, that would be rough. But <laughs> I would still <laughs> the best for the Browns and for Baker. I, I think that's a fair answer. I think that is. Um, yeah, I, I would say you're you're probably the the maybe the newest Browns fan we've had on the podcast. But you know, um, having started following them and pretty much in eighteen, so um, you know, I guess that you know that just gives a different perspective because of the just the the term that you've been following them for. Um, you know, I'm not, I'm not saying that's a, a bad thing. Um, you know, if you're a fan, you're a fan. So, um, but it kind of does give you a different perspective on, on the team and where probably where the team is now, uh, versus, versus people who started following, you know, in, in, um, you know, in, in like, say 2000 or, or people who started following back in the eighties, you know, everybody's got different perspectives. So, um, definitely interested to see how you feel on, on certain issues as we, uh, talk through some things here. Oh, definitely. I look forward to, look forward to hashing it out. So, uh, let's get this out of the way, guys. So the Browns played a game on Sunday and they lost to the Cardinals, 37 to 14. Browns are three and three. Uh, sky is falling. The world is ending. Um, we need to fire everybody and rebuild again, apparently. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, after one game, I mean, I don't think pe- most people aren't really talking that way. But, um, you know, a lot of people are really down on on that game and that the Browns are three and three and that, you know, um, I've seen a lot of people say stuff like, you know, well, well, the Browns were supposed to make a run at the Super Bowl, and now look where we are now, you know, and things like this. And well, you know, they're they're three and three, and they got eleven games left to play. So I'm not going to sit here and say the Browns are going to run the table on the final eleven because you know there's there are some issues and things, but. If this is your team, you should be following this team and pulling for this team and not giving up on this team. That's kind of how I look at it. So I'm not going to throw any predictions out as far as how they're going to do, but this is still a pretty talented team with a good coach and and good you know good uh, management and things like this. So um, you know I think you got you have to know when you got your butt whipped and you got to identify you know, what happened and try to correct things just like you would any other week um, because there's mistakes made every week. They were just, you know, some things were worse this week and you got to fix it and, and try to move on and, and get better as a team. So, um, you know, I, I guess let's, uh, let's just get your impressions from what you saw in this game, you know, positive or negative. And uh, Danny, I'll let you start. Give me, give me some takeaways from this Browns Cardinals game. Yeah, you know, big ones up the bat, and I know people are quick to say excuses, excuses, but let's be real. This is the NFL. I mean, these guys are the top of the top. They're the 1% or less of guys that make it to this level of play, and 
when you're missing Pro Bowl caliber players, it's going to have a huge impact on your game. And there's no way to, you know, say that. There, I mean, there's no way to say that without it sounding like it's going to be an excuse. But it's the real deal. I mean, you have less than 1% of people make it to the NFL. And then how many make it to a Pro Bowl or make it to an all-pro level? Missing that offensive line component, the left tackle, the right tackle, and then Nick Chubb, you know. And we all knew, I think everybody knew that the secondary was going to take till mid-year to actually gel. Like, I think we were all saying that. I mean, I've been on following Brown's Twitter and, you know, all, all the building of Browns and all those segments and everything. And I think everybody expected the secondary and just the defense in general to take probably till mid-year to really gel together. And I think we saw the same thing last year. We saw the Browns kind of have a rough start last year at the beginning of the year. And then we had that bye week. And then after that bye week, we really came together. And down that 11-game stretch, we really lit it on fire. I mean, the whole team was just playing out of their mind. So I see a lot of positives. I see some negatives. Um, I see Thursday night as an opportunity to get a W and to get that simulated bye week. That rest period, that 10-day rest is going to be huge for this team who's – Injury list is as long as a receipt from CVS. So, <laughs> I mean, you got – it's just a lot to look at. And it's easy to say no excuses. It's the NFL. But then you look at – I mean, you look at some guys and you think, how many players can you do without? Because you take a elite player. I mean, it's just hard because – it's easy to make excuses, but it's you got to look at the facts too, and the facts are this team is kind of dinged up. So, yeah. I, I don't really, I don't place a lot of weight on this game, on the Cardinals game. I wanted to see us win this game, but at the same time, they're a good football, they're a really good football team, and you just got to look at it like that, and then they're going to get better. So, with that, I'll, I'll you know I'll turn it over to you guys. Yeah, yeah, make some good points. Um, Jeff, let's hear uh, let's hear what takeaways you'd like to add add to that. Well, let me start up by asking you a question, Rod. If Kevin Stefanski was a first year head coach, let's let's forget about last year, and this was his first year, and we were at this point in the season. Um, watching what we watched on the field on Sunday. How would people feel about Kevin Stefanski? You know, I, I think that's hard to say because you have to look at the three losses, you know, and you have to you have to go back to the two wins against the Bears and, and the Vikings, particularly. You know, those two wins – and and you lose to three three good teams. So I don't know. You know, I, I think fans in Cleveland yeah, fans in Cleveland would, would be pretty pissed off regardless because it was a sloppy game. The Browns just didn't look good. They looked out of sorts. Um, nothing really went their way, you know, much you know, pretty much the whole game. So it, I mean it was a bad game for the Browns. Uh, but I think those are gonna happen. Um you know, but I'll turn it back over to you. Pretty much, 
pretty much saying that if he were a first year head coach, yeah, yeah, people would people would people would be really mad at Stefanski. And they would he pretty would be much on the forget. traditional hot seat. Oh, he might be, even with the, even the with traditional the hot runs. seat. I mean, that's kind of how this organization has been for years, right? The point yeah. is, is that I think last year bought him a grace period. The grace period being we proved last year that we could be a winning organization. We changed the culture, right? Um, I think that um, grace period is rapidly ending uh, based on what we've seen on the field. Uh, and, and I just think we have to be really careful that that this thing doesn't go off the rails to the point where we become that old organization again. And I think we're at a tipping point in the season, six games in, where we need to prove that that we are that organization that you saw second half of last year versus 20 years prior to that. And it's not one player. I mean, we, we can go down a laundry list of, of issues with this team right now. Um, it's not one guy underperforming. It's pretty much the organization underperforming. The, everybody is, is, playing well below their abilities and everybody is coaching well below their abilities right now. Um, I, one thing that another thing that's kind of interesting to me is, you know, when the defense sucks, everybody wants to fire Joe Woods. Okay. Well, the last couple of weeks, the offensive line has sucked. Are we going to fire Bill Callahan? No, he's the best. Offensive line coach in football. He's the best damn offensive line coach in football, maybe ever. Okay. Well, Jeff, I I don't want to interrupt you, but I also want to point out that you're talking about Bill Callahan. Once again, he is the best O-line coach in football, and our offensive line is the best O-line in football. Well, damn it, they better start Well, the the problem is you have banged up players. You don't just replace – you don't don't just replace – guys like Conklin and Wills, or even if, God forbid, J.C. Treader went down, or Wyatt Teller. Like, you can't just, it's not a plug in, It's not a plug-and-play situation. Those are pro ball, all-pro caliber players. And to your point about if Kevin was a first-year head coach, I think if you look at Cliff Kingsbury in Arizona, and you look at Brian Flores and Matt Rule, so Brian Flores down in Miami and Matt Rule in Carolina, if you look at those guys, I mean, Miami didn't start off good last year, and they ended up 10-6. and six. Yeah, and you yeah look they at finished real strong, yeah. It's, they're not looking good this year either. And then you look at Matt Rule, didn't start out, didn't do good last year, and this year looking a little better. And then Cliff Kingsbury, same, same thing. Like, he's in his third year now with Arizona. Now, mind you, Arizona's looking a lot better, but I'm just saying, you got to give a little – it's not a one- or two-year turnaround, you know? Well, and that's been the problem in Cleveland. You know, we, we've never given – we just don't give guys three years. So, yeah. Um, well, and, and that's my fear, okay, is that, yeah. um, you know, if if we don't see results soon, you know, with, with what was generally considered the best roster in the NFL, and I'm sure you can take guys off of that, okay, but we talked about the depth of this organization and the ability to plug in guys when guys miss games is, you know, that's that was – 
going into this season, that was our strength. Right now, is James Hudson ready to be a starting tackle in this league? Hell no. He was drafted in the fourth round as a developmental swing tackle. Okay, right. he's he's not at a point in his career where he's a starting right tackle in the NFL, and nobody expects him to play at that level. Okay, um, but with that being said, we need to still find ways to win games. And the, the scary thing about the game on Sunday is that. The approach to stopping us was so damn predictable. Okay, Joe Batonio um, came out this week and said, Arizona played a 6-2 defense. They basically dared us to beat them through the air. They looked at, at how we have attacked other defenses, and they said, we're not going to let that happen. We're not going to let you run the ball. We know Nick Chubb. You and I didn't know Nick Chubb was going to be out before we talked about last about the game last week. Okay? No, but no. that's a huge that's a huge difference. Take away the two right the two starting tackles. Take away Nick Chubb. Okay, now all of a sudden your run game is a shell of itself. Okay, and you rush for seventy three yards as a team, and and now Baker's got to put the team on his. One good shoulder. I'm just going to say, yeah, what's left of his shoulder, okay, and shoulders, and and try to beat a team through the air, which, you know, we've we've been protecting him from having to do that all season long, okay. And if the Cardinals can stop us that way, everybody else in the league can stop us that way. So this this is a league of adjustments. We're going to have to figure out really quick how to overcome that get back to being able to run the football and, and balance out our offense. And, and hopefully we have more offense than, you know, a 70 yard hail Mary against the Broncos or it's, you know, it, like I said, it's going to be really tough to, to think about the Browns in terms of a, a playoff team, the longer this persists. Yeah. Yeah, I mean it's you know it is a league of adjustments like you said, and uh, I think I think uh, Danny mentioned the uh, the uh, game that was on last night, the uh, the Bills and the Titans. Um, I was just going to say it's also a a game of momentum <laughs> sure. and, and emotion, and if you guys watched that game, I'm just I'm just going back to the beginning of the Browns Cardinals game. Um, I mean the the uh, the Titans had a couple of series on defense that pretty much won that game for them, and they when they were just flying to the ball and and just inexplicably were able to to shut the the high flying Bills offense down. I mean you're thinking the Bills are just going to go down and score and win this game, and and they couldn't do it, you know. Um, you know, I even tweeted that, that, uh, that Henry scored too fast when he scored with three minutes left, you know, he should have, he should have gone down like, like Nick Chubb did at the five and they should have run another minute or two off if they wanted to win the game. Not, not that I'm rooting against the bills. I'm just saying from a strategy standpoint, you know, that's what they, that's what he should have done. Well, they, you know, it, it was a momentum thing. So now going back to the Browns Cardinals game at the beginning of the game, and again, I'm not going to say that the Browns would have won this game because they didn't play well enough to win the game. 
But the Browns had all those stinking penalties against them, half of which were garbage. Okay, and and just the Cardinals got got momentum and got playing and got confident. You know, not that they didn't have confidence coming in already, but you know that that game was was out of hand. You know, it seemed like pretty early up until halftime, and um, you know, in that hail mary. And I just, you know, I just felt like there was a lot of emotion and stuff and, and things that went the Cardinals' way that uh, that kind of knocked the Browns out of that from a, you know, from a momentum standpoint. And, I'm, you know, I'm not just blaming the loss on, on, the, on the officials, even though it was another horribly officiated game. <laughs> um, you know, something needs to be fixed there as well. But... Um, but yeah, you know, Danny brought up the brought up the injuries as well, and I do struggle with this because the Browns have twenty guys on the injured list. Okay, twenty. You know, now a lot of those guys will play, but when you got twenty guys on the injured list, I just, I, you know, I just don't know. I mean, you can replace guys and put in substitutes, but but man, twenty is such is such a big number. Teams just don't have that many guys on an injury list. So the Browns, have, you know, and you're talking, like you said, it's it's Nick Chubb. It's now it's Kareem Hunt on IR. Um, it, it's JOK, who, if you guys didn't know this, is the team's leading tackler, is on IR. Yeah, yeah let that sink in. That's that's crazy. Um, you know, that's um, arguably the the team's best offensive player year to date and the team's best defensive player i mean no offense to miles but you know jok's made a lot of great plays so he's right up there on defense too so um so yeah you know i i just don't know so we saw some good things but um i'm trying trying to work you guys back into this um so just getting back to this game specifically rod yeah um you know things kind of went off the rails early like you said but um, I thought the defense actually stepped up in the second quarter and um, held Arizona to field goals on three straight drives. Yeah, um, yeah, they did. They did. And and I mean, at halftime, it was a nine-point game. Um, you, you and I texted back and forth that you know, as as ugly as that first half was, um. It was still within reach at halftime. And it was, yeah. After halftime, the wheels just came completely off. Um, you know, we continued to turn the ball over. We continued to try to do too much um, individually. And well, the Brown, Browns didn't score in the second half. Right, and, and that, that led to no offense in the second half, um, and, and the game was over. So – yeah, like I said, I, I'm less concerned with, you know, a loss to a, a good undefeated team than with what looks like trends now. You know, that that we are having a really difficult time executing on offense. Um, the, the ball is just really slow to move on offense, and we've seen periods like this in the past. You know, where plays just take forever to develop. You know, mm-hmm. when when um, when Baker got hit and fumbled, uh, I think that was the last turnover. 
Um, which, which, which time? I, I, I'm just screaming <laughs> at my TV, you know, get rid of the damn ball. You know, um, we, we can't, we can't put the team on our back and, and, you know, to, to Danny's earlier point, I love the fact that, that Baker's a gamer and, you know, he's gonna, he's gonna fight till the death and you know you can't get him out of the ball game and i love that that swagger okay but at some point you got to be smart too okay you can't hurt your team by trying to do too much and on that particular play he needed to just throw the damn ball away rather than looking for his fourth or fifth or tenth or however many check down you know and, and i think it's just yeah. it's symptomatic of what happens when a team has high expectations and players start to try to do things outside of their capabilities rather than executing as a team. We have guys who are trying to do too much and, and not executing, making mistakes. And it just becomes infectious in a negative way where everybody's doing that. And, and, you know, the next thing you know, you're not even competitive in games that, that you should have a chance in. You know, now, hopefully playing a team that is, you know, less skilled. Is that a, is that a kind way of talking about the Broncos? Um, you know, yeah, we can start probably. to correct some of that. But this is where you start to factor in all the guys that aren't there. Okay, right, because it's not like the Broncos are a horrible team. I mean, they won their I think they won their first three games. Anybody right? in so, the NFL can win on any given Sunday, except maybe the Lions. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, you and, you know, to, your, to your point, you know, the offense has to play better. And I think that you're right about Baker needing to get rid of the ball. Like, he definitely needs to get rid of the ball. The problem is that when you're down that many points, like it, it's hard to get rid of the ball. Like you need to make a like you need you need a play. And like you said, it's the NFL and you're playing a team like the Cardinals and Kyler Murray. Kyler if you look go look at Kyler Murray's stats, he's hardly even scrambled this year. His rushing yards are so low compared to the past. The guy runs a four three forty, maybe even a four a, a, a high four two. He is extremely fast. And he's mm-hmm. barely even tried to run. And that is scary because it's because he has all those wide receivers to, to yeah, and throw he's the ball so to. He's so efficient with his game that now he doesn't even need to run anymore. And but when people forget that he is that fast and he can run. But to your like to your point, yes, Baker has got to get rid of that football. And I think Kevin and the offensive coordinator and Alex Van Pelt and they, they need to devise ways like last year, we saw it last year. We saw the play-action game was huge because we were running tight ends and we were getting all kinds of guys in motion, and I haven't seen that this year, really. We're not getting those guys in motion. We're not getting the tight ends in the game. And to be frank, Austin Hooper has not played well this year. He was supposed to be a game-changer, and he really hasn't played very well. David Njoku has stepped up huge, and I haven't even really seen Harrison Bryant. Like Njoku is really the only guy who's making plays on the tight end front. Harrison Bryant and Austin Hooper are pretty much nowhere to be seen. And having a guy out like Jarvis is enormous. He is not just a receiver. He is a huge leader for this team. Um, 
But our defense can't give up this many points, regardless of turnovers. You look at – I implore you guys to go look at Lamar Jackson's game statistics. They are really not that good. He really hasn't played that good this year. It's just that somehow it's got the game has gotten to critical moments so many times that he just made something happen, which is huge. I'm not I'm not taking away from his talent. He's a he's an amazing player. But if you go look at his statistics, they really aren't very good. His the the whole team has played better around him. And that's what needs to happen in Cleveland. We need to get our defense on the same page. And I think it will get there. I, I really do think it will get there. But it has to get there because Lamar really hasn't played great. I mean, he's hardly running the ball. He's fumbling the ball a lot. You know, he's thrown five interceptions. And even Mahomes is throwing interceptions like crazy. And their defense is just getting them stopped so Mahomes can come out and make big plays. So I don't know what needs to change. I'm not an NFL coach but something isn't right I I think a lot of his injuries I mean it's hard to lose guys that important to your team it really is yeah I mean good fact I mean it's very obvious to me when a team is clicking and when they're not we've played two offenses the last two games that were very high confidence offenses Mm -hmm. and you can throw Baltimore into that mix as well since we're talking about them um but What's lacking with the Browns right now is confidence in the offense. When you don't have the confidence to hit Odell Beckham when he's standing there wide open at the five-yard line because you're looking for something else, okay, that's a problem with the offense. Yeah, I'm, okay. I'm, 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 I want to go back to the to the tight ends um, and, and say that uh, David and Joe could get. He had, honestly, he had one really nice game. Um, he right. really hasn't done that much outside of that real, that one really nice game. And um, you know, it, um, Harrison Bryant, yeah, he's he's not been around all that much. Um, you know, but I I wouldn't put too much on Njoku there. Um, I, I do think it comes down to uh, Jarvis Landry. You know, people, certain people really get on Jarvis, you know, about him, you know, about his salary and stuff. You know what? Jarvis is, (laughs) Jarvis is the most important receiver on the team. You know, if you put all the receivers and and tight ends and everything together, um, you know, it's really about Jarvis. And, And OBJ had five catches on Sunday. You know, five for seventy-nine. You know, it's it's he had a decent game. Um, you know, it's certainly not what you need against Arizona. You know, you want somebody like OBJ to have a couple touchdowns and over a hundred yards. You know, if you're going to compete with those guys, but you don't expect him to get that. You know, all the time, and you still got to remember he's coming back from this injury, and realistically, most guys wouldn't even be on the field at this point. So I'm not making excuses for him, but um, I know absolutely. That's you know. Um, you know, I thought five for 79 is at least uh, better than what we've seen um, in most games. Um, you know, deep uh, Donovan Peoples-Jones had, had a nice game, and I know most of his yards were in that Hail Mary. Um, but, uh, you know, Austin Hooper, he actually started out the season pretty well. He, he had three, four catches in each of the first three or four games. Uh, but, you know, nothing nothing big. Uh, you know, not big yardage, but... 
you hope a guy like that's going to be, you know, going to be making the catches and, you know, he really should kind of be a safety valve for Baker, you know, on, on a lot of plays. And I don't really think we saw that on Sunday. I don't, I don't think much of anybody other than DPJ and, and OBJ had, had more than two catches on Sunday. You yeah. Know, really it, it was pretty bad. This offense. I mean, he's so critical to how we get, how we play the game i mean he's a great run blocker he's amazing in those crucial catch moments where you need i mean the fourth down odell dropped and don't get me wrong you're gonna drop passes it's not like i don't put a lot of weight on that like people look at that and say oh drop get him out of here he can't catch no he's one of the best hands catchers to ever play the game and you're gonna drop passes i'm sorry uh it's gonna happen um, so you're looking at like, yeah, like Jarvis is huge in those moments. Like that's the guy you go to fourth and two, fourth and three, fourth and four, fourth and five. You go to Jarvis. He's going to make that play. He doesn't care if his ribs get broken. He's gonna, he's going to make the play. Uh, he's going to block 30 yard downfield. That's what he does. He's just, that's who he is. He is. And we've seen, I mean, we've seen a lot of these guys make drops, um, you know, and I'm not an OBJ hater, but he's had some crucial drops this year. So, you know, um, people are going to get on him. You know, if you're if you're going to be the guy, you got to make those catches. You got, you know, if you're going to drop one on first down, fine. But man, the fourth down ball, you got to catch that. You know that you're you're a leader on the team. You know whether you want to be or not, because you're OBJ. I I don't care. You got to catch that ball. So, um, you know. I'm not. I'm not saying get him out of town, but he's got to catch the ball, man. He's got to do better. He's yeah, got I, to. I, he's got to catch that. And to the same, I mean, I'm a. I, you know, I, I became a fan of this team because of Baker. On the, I'm going to flip it because I'm going to be subjective. To the same point, Baker's playing hurt, and if you're playing hurt, you have to know you can play hurt. I love Baker. Um, that that interception he threw to Higgy. The fumbles are one thing because seeing a. a you got a blindside coming at you, and I think I think both of his fumbles that he lost were blindside hits, and that's hard. That's going to happen. It's hard because you can't, you literally can't see because you're looking downfield. That interception he threw to Higgy, that was crazy. That he just missed him. He just overthrew Higgins. He just straight missed him. He was alone, and I just yeah. think all the guys have to play better. And there's moments that you have to hit. And when you see a guy who doesn't have a person within 10 yards of him, you got to hit him. You got to hit him. Same for Odell. That fourth down, you got to catch that. And it happened last week, too, against the Chargers. That fourth and two play, he was all by himself. You got to yeah. catch that. Yeah, you, so can't, you can't drop those. We're a few plays away from being five and one. Um, because this game. Yeah. Yeah, this Cardinals game wasn't going to be won no matter what. I don't. Yeah, think. it was. But yeah, it, the other two games could have been won. And to your point about the officiating, I wasn't going to get into that because, my goodness, I mean, you could see it on the players' faces. And Kevin, you, I mean, it, I think it sounds like we're all three pretty avid Browns fans. We know that Stefanski is not going to give you anything. He's not going to give you anything about refs, officials, injuries. Well, because he'll get fined if he talks about the refs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. He doesn't – anything injury-wise, officiating-wise, he says nothing. He says, ah, i got to watch the tape. So <laughs> – and on the sideline that game, he was getting pretty animated. And it's just 
the officials are killing us, and it's big play. Is that roughing the passer? That was huge. That was a huge and play. A, yeah, horrible call there. And then, I mean, it pretty much comes down to that roughing the passer, and then the you know the uh, the uh, defensive pass interference. Um, you know, I mean, the Browns have not had any luck on pass interference calls this this season whatsoever. I mean, they're, pretty much everything has gone against them. You know, at least, you know, if you had to, you know, weigh things out, how many went in the favor of the Browns and, and you know, how many went, you know, the favor of the opposition, I, you know, it's got to be like 80 or 90 percent opposition on pass interference calls this year. You know, if if that could get fixed just a little bit, and, you know, I'm not going to say the Browns record would be a ton better, but, man, I think we'd sure feel a little bit better about things. Like, like we're not battling just the other team, but we're battling the officials, too. And you shouldn't have to fight the officials when you're at home. You know, you feel like you should have some kind of home field advantage and not not have 50 yards of penalties against you in the first five minutes of the game when you're at home. <laughs> and I know yeah. the Browns the Browns had some of those coming to them. I'm not saying that, you know, that they didn't earn any of them. But some of them were pretty bad. That's all. And I you, Jeff, about this, you know, at some point the players get demoralized. Like the fans feel it. Like I know you guys felt it Sunday. It's it just seemed like everything was going wrong. And you're like, man, shit. Is this ever gonna be like what's going on? And the players feel that, too. They're on the field, you know, and they're feeling that, like, dang, how do we even defend anymore? How do we even play defense now? We can't even touch anybody. That rough in the passer was huge. The pass interference is huge. Defensive holdings are getting crazy. And you ask your players, how are you going to, like, how do you how do you play defense at that point? Well, it's I always been right, tough Daniel. to play defense anyways. But, yeah, go ahead, Jeff. I think you're right. I mean, it, it definitely affects the psyche of the players when um, things don't go your way and, you know, you don't have a history of winning to fall back on. Um, we have a very short history of winning. We don't have a, a, a solid core of being able to perform in, in critical moments to fall back on as a team. Um, you know, our offense is intact from last year. Our defense is completely restructured from last year. Uh, you've got guys from other organizations. You've got a lot of young players contributing in key roles. Um, it's really, really tough to bond all those guys together. And when things start to not go your way, um, I think it becomes an avalanche of, of you know, woe is me, as you said. Um, mm -hmm. I can't play defense. I can't, you know, do anything right. The officials are against me. You know, everybody's against me. And it, it's, it, it starts to feed back into that losing culture. And that, that's what really concerns me at this point in the season is that, um, you know, this, this game Thursday night is to me is, is a tipping point where, you know, it could easily snowball. Uh, uh, you know, with players thinking, you know, geez, this just isn't our year. You know, we've got we've got guys getting hurt every week. Um, you know, 
we're, we're just not, things aren't going our way and, and, you know, just maybe this isn't our year. And, and if that's your philosophy going into the game, you're going to get your head handed to you uh, in the NFL. It's just, you can't play that way. So yeah. you know, I, yeah. I'm not placing blame on people. I'm just very concerned about where their heads are at right now. And what getting a win Thursday is just so critical to changing that narrative, however it happens. Well, Miles and uh, Miles Garrett and uh, Malik Jackson, I think, both addressed the defense. I believe it was today. So, um, you know, last time Miles talked to the defense, I think it was it was before the defense. Maybe it was before the uh, before the Chicago game. So, um, so we'll see. You know, hopefully these guys will rally a bit. I mean, you know, uh, I know the issues lie a lot of them with the offense, but seeing a tremendous effort from the defense <laughs> would certainly help this team. You know, it's not the defense, not that the defense was was horrendous against Arizona. Uh, you know, I think, you know, Arizona scored some points on a very short field a, a few times. But um, but I think if the defense could rally and kind of hold hold Denver down a bit, it would certainly <laughs> help the Browns odds and, uh, sure. you know, in, in, in winning a game. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I just want to bring up something that's not really material with with uh, where everything is. I'm going to move into something else. Uh, Miles and I, I haven't looked where he is in the uh, in the leaders, but Miles has eight sacks already in in uh, in six games. So he's uh, he's doing well. Um, and we'll just leave it at that. We know the team record's 14. Um, what I really wanted to talk about, guys, is to uh, is to go specifically in on Baker and uh, Baker Mayfield, in that um, as if there's another Baker. But anyways, um, <laughs> Baker had his his uh, shoulder uh, come out again in this game on that play where he was just writhing in pain on turf and it hurt me just to just just to watch this because i know he's got his shoulder in the harness and he goes down and that arm goes up pretty much over his head and i'm thinking that hurts just having a sore shoulder to raise it over your head and it went up you know over and it, and it must have come out at that point too so so now baker has dislocated the shoulder twice all right um I'm just going to say the the more often this thing pops out, the easier it's going to pop out. Um, you know, <laughs> the less effective the harness is going to be in holding it in when he gets hammered to the turf. Um, you know, uh, and, and it was it was kind of interesting. Somebody asked him um, when I was watching, I watched this uh, presser, I'm not sure which day it was from, but um, asking him if he was going to have off-season surgery, and he goes, oh, I don't know. And I'm thinking dude, you're going to have off-season surgery on that labrum. I almost guarantee it. I'd be surprised if they don't do that to, you know, to fix it. But I'm, I'm kind of to the point where if he keeps popping that thing out, man, it, it's going to really cause a problem for him. Because I don't know that, that, um, that if you dislocate a shoulder 
four or five times in a season. I don't know if labrum surgery is going to just fix everything for you or if you're going to have lingering issues even after that. You know, every time you screw your shoulder up, it makes it worse. So question, you know, question for you guys is, is, you know, are we at a point where he might be screwing up, you know, his, his, uh, you know, his, his career as far as um, playing hurt, if he's playing and this thing keeps popping out. So that, that's one part of it. The other part is he's, he's, he obviously is still having some issues with accuracy and things. And, and maybe, you know, I, I don't know. We can, we can talk about the fumbles and the pick, but is the shoulder issue causing ball security issues? And do you guys still think the Browns are better playing him than playing Case Keenum? And Danny, I'm going to let you go first on this. That's a long question. (laughs) I pretty much want your thoughts on Baker on on all that stuff. So, so Danny, I'm going to let you go first because you're, I mean, you're a Baker guy. So, yeah. So I'm a Baker guy. Okay. Um. So here's my thing about that. Um. I think. People that know the answer to that question are going to be in that organization. I mean, if you look at Kevin, Alex Van Pelt, Andrew Barry, I mean, Kevin went to Harvard. I'm pretty sure Andrew Barry went to Harvard, or if he didn't, he went to an Ivy League school. Those are intelligent guys. Um, And Alex Van Pelt is a a fantastic quarterback coach slash offensive coordinator. And I think they're going to trust Baker's word on this. I think they're going to go with how he's feeling, and he knows his body. And I, if you want my honest opinion, I my, honestly think I don't think that Baker would do anything to hurt this team. That's the kind of guy he is. He would never put himself over the team. He wants. And to I understand that, but can Baker really be objective? Can Baker really see? Because in Baker's Baker's mind, he's the team leader, he's the quarterback, and he's going to go out there and bust his ass. And I understand that. Yeah. Part of the question is, is he he objective enough to be able to make that decision? Yeah, and that's the thing where it's like, how well do I I mean, that's the thing that you would ask yourself. Like, if you're playing on that stage, you leave the ball game. Like, for me, I would think, shit, no. Like, I'm not going to the game. You're crazy. Like, this is my like, this is my team. And he's put this city on his back. Like, he's trying to be that guy. And I honestly, until until this week, last week, Cleveland has embraced Baker with open arms and given the keys of the city in a, in a, you know, in a way. And But honestly, though, like, following him throughout his career – He's done what's best for himself, but he's also done what's best for his team. He walked on to Texas Tech. He won games at Texas Tech. He was a Big 12 freshman of the year at Tech, and they still decided to bring somebody else, start him over him. So he left that team, came to Oklahoma, started off on the practice squad. I mean, Coach Stoops didn't even know who the guy was and busted his ass, got on the team, made the team, became the starter, led the team to wins, won the Heisman, number one overall pick. I don't know. I honestly don't know. I like to think that he would put the team over anything. Because at the end of the day, I think we all want wins. That's our goal. 
I'm a Baker guy, but honestly, though, like, I want the Browns to win. I know that they have – their franchise has had their face pushed in the mud. And I, I, I want to see these guys win. I want to see the city win. I think Baker wants the exact same thing. Um, I, I'm sure said, he does. I'm sure he does. And um, Yeah, I'm sure he does. Like, he, yeah. you can see his emotion. If you follow on Instagram or on Twitter, you know who he is. You know his emotions. Um, those commercials that he does for Progressive aren't just for money. Like he truly believes that he has uh, roots in the city. In the city, he truly feels like he's part of the city. Like he's come here, he's embracing it, he's turned it around. We're going from. I mean, I don't know if you guys know this or not, but he has won the same amount or more games from 2018 to this year than the Browns won from 2010 to 2017. Not saying it's yeah. all on him. Wins aren't a QB stat. I agree with that. It's a team stat. But, right. you know, saying, you know, that he's been a force in this Jarvis Landry, Baker Mayfield, Denzel Ward, Miles Garrett. They've all been a force in this kind of like turning around the franchise. I don't think his shoulder is affecting his accuracy that much. I mean, you look at the numbers he put up against L.A. and Arizona. I think he had a really bad game against Minnesota. I don't know why he had a bad game. He did. I don't know. Yeah. But I don't know what it was. He had a terrible game against Minnesota. But if you look at L.A. and Arizona, he had pretty solid games if you take away those two fumbles. Not that you can. You can't take those away. But, I mean, he completed yeah. 71% and 68% of his passes in those two games. And had a pretty good yards per attempt, and he had touchdowns in those games, two touchdowns in each game. I don't think it's this. I don't think the shoulders affecting his accuracy and his mentality. I, I think it's. I don't think it's the shoulder as much as it is the injuries of the team and the line that's forcing him to get out of the pocket and keep his eyes downfield, and then hit by a blindside hit, and you know the ball comes loose, and it happens. Yeah, so Jeff, I want to get your thoughts on this. Is is Baker in a spot where he can be objective enough? And is what's is what Baker sees as good for the team and good for him, you know, really one and the same at this point? Well, I, I think he definitely believes that he gives the team the best chance to win. So he's going to be out there you know, if he's inches from death, um, if he can strap on his helmet, he's going to try to be out there to to help his team win. And and look, nobody's nobody's questioning his toughness. No, not at all. Um, you know, nationally, the media, everybody's saying, you know, he's one of the toughest guys in football. Mm-hmm. And if he can play, he'll play. But I think the question is one of, you know, is is he able to distance himself enough to recognize that maybe his performance is hurting the team? And I don't think he can be objective like that. You know, as as a guy who would do the same thing, I don't think I could be objective like that. I would see myself as the guy who needs to be there, you know, regardless of the situation. Okay, I mean, um, yeah. I, I don't I don't think. Any- Anybody can do it better than me, so I'm going to try to do it, no matter what. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm not going to turn it over to somebody else. Okay, so psychologically, I think the answer is no. He can't distance himself 
enough to make that decision, but he really doesn't have to make that decision. That's a coach's decision. The, yeah, coach, right. the coach has to decide at what point he gives the team the best chance to win and at what point he doesn't. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, you know, I, I think once, once a coach makes that decision, you'll see the backup quarterback. Um, yeah. You know, I, I think from Baker's perspective, you know, we, we tend to mix the, evaluations of short-term and long-term okay um short-term right now he's dealing with an injury you don't evaluate a player long-term who's injured you know you don't you don't base a contract extension on a guy playing hurt for instance plenty of people are doing it (laughs) right right that that's that's ridiculous okay i I mean you i'm with you 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 make that decision on a total body of work. And, and we know that, that Baker has had extreme highs and he's had lows. And, you know, when you, when you average all that out, um, he's been a really solid quarterback for the Cleveland Browns. Um, he gives us a great chance to win. And, and when you put all that other talent around him, I think you can, you know, you can go, go really good places with him as the starting quarterback. Okay. Um, you know, the question of, you know, how much is he worth, you know, on an extension is is something that gets decided, you know, down the road. Okay. But for right now, and and the need to win Thursday night, the coaches have to make the decision about who gives them the best chance to run an effective offense. And and can Baker go out there from a health standpoint and not let it affect him physically? And psychologically, because I think it's both. Okay. True. I think physically he can make a lot of those throws. He showed us that he can throw the ball 65 yards on a Hail Mary. Okay. Yeah. No problem. But, but when you, when you let pain dictate how you play, it affects the simple stuff. You know, the, the, the four yard passes that, that get that sail over somebody's head. Okay, Um, and I think that's a that's a tough call for the coaches right now, because there's obviously a big talent drop off when you go to the backup quarterback. Um, But I think the decision making at some point may outweigh that to where the coaches feel like, you know, we've got to stop this slide. And we've got to get a win on the board and get this team back to feeling good about itself. And if if psychologically Baker can't do that because he's in so much pain or he just isn't admitting, you know, that he's he's not 100 um, percent physically right now. Um, the coach may have to make that call. And. I personally, if, if I'm in Stefanski's shoes, um, man, I'd, I'd be laying awake at night trying to figure out what to do with that. Yeah, are, are either of you guys concerned about Baker's long-term health in that shoulder? Uh, I'm not. I think that in the off-season he'll have surgery. I think he's going to play this season. Like I don't think anything's going to stop him. If it's up to him... I don't think he's not going to play. I think he'll have surgery off season 
and I'm I, I think I looked it up earlier and it's gonna be it's like a 10 12 week recovery um, yeah labrum labrum's a faster recovery than rotator cuff I think. yeah it's so, not, yeah if he had surgery right now he'd miss the whole season and and even I mean it, and if yeah. somehow you know got the browns to the postseason he'd miss that too um I don't think that case Keenum is going to give the browns a better has to win than Baker, even though he's hurt. But I honestly don't think that him playing hurt is a big deal. I don't really understand the narrative that he's inconsistent because he had a great rookie year. I mean, let's be honest. It's hard to go number one overall. It really, truly is, especially as a quarterback. It's hard to go number one overall in any spot on the field. But at quarterback, you're talking about turning around in a franchise that, that's terrible. You have to literally, it's it, like, it's awful. And there's, let's, let's all three be honest here. If you're a college player coming into the draft, what's your, what was your biggest fear before 2018? Getting drafted by the Cleveland Browns. <laughs> right? Let's, be, let's like, I know it's a joke, but honestly. Though, yeah, really, Baker it, embraced it. He did. He embraced yeah, it. Yeah, right? Yeah. What was the biggest fear as a college player getting drafted by the Cleveland Browns? It was, it's a career killer. Like it was known as it, and not there. Well, and, not there. Great players come through there. Like obviously, it's a great football city, and there's been great players come through. But if you're a quarterback and you got picked by the Browns, you were a deer in headlights. Um, and I'm not just saying Breaker embraced it, but he did. He did help change the culture. A lot of it was Jarvis and Miles and just John. And on people give John Dorsey some flack, but he had some great drafts while he was. At the GM of Cleveland, um, he did, he did. And but if you go look at Baker's stats and you go watch the and you go watch the tape, he played well against Kansas City. He played well against Houston. He played well against Chicago. He played really bad against Minnesota, and then he played really well against the Chargers, and he played really well against Arizona. It just so happened that he fumbled twice against Arizona. He hasn't. He didn't have a multiple turnover game until Arizona, and it's just the fact that you can't do that in those big, those big games. But I think we all three here know that the Chargers game should have been in Cleveland's to win. The refs mm-hmm. missed some huge calls in that game, and I don't want to make excuses and I don't want to put blame on the officials. But that game was ours. I agree with you. I agree with you. Um, I mean, that game was ours. Our defense. Our defense played fine but not good and our offense played great our run game was on fire our pass game was on fire and you know that game was ours until the penalties came in so i don't think i honestly don't think this injury is gonna hold the team back because i'm trying not to look at it from a baker thing as a baker fan i don't want to look at it from a baker thing i want to look at it from a team thing and i don't think Case Keenum is going to give the Browns any competitive edge that Baker's not going to give you, even though that shoulder's hurt. And I know it's a huge injury and it does affect his mechanics and all of that. Yeah. But I think that he, he's been sacked 18 times this year. And I don't really understand that because we have the best O-line in football. I know Jed's been banged up. I've been missing guys. Yeah. Guys are banged up. And yeah, I know yeah, Jeff. and the, like Jeff said, the offensive line just hasn't played as well this year 
too. I, I, I think we have to face that, you know, the fact that, that the Browns have, have a nice offensive line, but they, they haven't played like the best offensive line in football. Even, even the guys who have been out there have not played as well as they did last season. You know, I, I don't know why that is. I'm not going to blame Bill Callahan for it. You know, you know, he can only teach the guys. The guys have to go out there and play. Yeah, for um, sure. You know, I, I think my, my concerns with Baker are that he goes out there and plays and he keeps popping this shoulder out over and over and over, and it, and it screws his career up, you know, to where he, he has to shorten his career because he can't play without, even after surgery, without fear of dislocating his left shoulder constantly. And, and and is ball security a concern? Those are my only concerns with Baker. You know, I think he's I think he's shown enough that he can um, throw with some accuracy um, with this. That they just have to game plan around it a little bit. I mean, they've been successful with that. The Arizona game was just you know just wasn't a good game. Um, you know, for, pretty much for anybody. And I'm not saying Baker was horrible. You know, he played okay outside of the turnovers. Um, but you know, they just—they're going to have to game plan and, and figure things out. Um, obviously, like like uh, like you guys were talking about with the Arizona defense, uh, the Browns are going to have to counter that. <laughs> they're going to have to figure out a way to play offense that that's going to put points on the board and not be shut down by a six-two-six-two defense. So um, anyway, the Browns play in two days, and we're just going to talk Broncos here for. For just a few minutes, because uh, Browns are three and three, Broncos are three and three, and this might surprise a lot of people, but the Browns have actually scored more points than they've given up this season. They have scored 156 and they've given up 151, even after giving up what is it, 80, 84 points, or 80, it's right, it's 80. I think it's 84 in the last two games. Is that right? Um, 84 in the last two games. Yeah, so so they they've still scored more than they've given up. Uh, Broncos have scored 126 and given up 110. Um, here's the here's the uh, money statistics for Denver. Um, third down efficiency, 23 of 77. We kind of like that being low. Um, their opponents are 32 of 76, which is nice. And then um, fourth down, <laughs> Denver nine of 12. Um, yeah, we'll be waiting on those. And then um, their opponents, two of six, um, they've given up 13 touchdowns and scored 13. So um, can you say under on this game, Jeff? Um, well, yes. I think I learned my lesson on that, right? Well, I mean, the over-under is 44 <laughs> on this game. I can guarantee you I'm taking the under on this game. <laughs> With the, um, Yeah, I don't think either one of these teams is going to score a whole lot, but um, rather than talking a whole heck of a lot about the Browns and the Broncos, because, you know, uh, Browns are favored by five. So we'll do score predictions and in uh, that. But, um, man, you know, the Browns are going to be without. Um, yeah, uh, Nick Chubb is is out for this game. Hunt is out. JOK is out. Um, the tackles are not sure yet. Um we are going to see uh, Dearness Johnson and one of Jeff's uh, one of Jeff's guys, John Kelly, will be there uh, playing, and I would think he's going to get some carries, Jeff. Probably. Yeah. So um, that, that that'll be interesting. See how those guys do. I mean, hopefully they have uh, 
you know, some guys playing offensive line in front of them to help them out a little bit. <laughs> um, what what I wanted to talk about was this this quote from Von Miller, who guaranteed two sacks against the Browns. Uh, Von Miller has four and a half sacks in the first uh, in the first six games of the season, so he's averaging just under a sack a game. He guaranteed two sacks in this game, and now he's talking about the whichever whichever tackle he ends up facing. But he says, "I'm." Uh, I'm going to kill him, and the going to is in, in uh, parentheses, so I'm not sure exactly how he how he phrased it, but it was something of that nature. So, <laughs> so what do you got? What do you guys make of that quote? Um, what do you think, Jeff? Because <laughs> well, I thought he was talking about uh, Baker at first, but no, he's he's talking about the the whichever tackle he faces. Yeah. Um, hey, good for him. Um, giving the other team more material. Um, <laughs> you know, you'd think a veteran would be smarter than that, but um, okay. Um, you know, I thought this was a guy who was close to, to miles and who the Browns wanted to get here and everything. And now he's, he's talking smack against the Browns. So yeah. Not <laughs> okay. Um, you know, he probably will get two sacks. He could, um, he might. But um, the bottom line is who wins the game. You know, um, individual stuff doesn't matter. It's who wins. That's right. That's right. That's right. Yeah, for sure. And yeah, yeah, Danny. What I mean, do you care about this at all, or what? Or doesn't yeah. matter. I think I think players are gonna they're gonna they're gonna jab yeah. at each other. And you're talking about Von Miller. I mean, this kid or this guy, this man is he's an all pro. I mean, he's. He's a Super Bowl champion. He's amazing. He's a great player. I mean, I would expect nothing less. Of course, you're going to talk your talk. You know, you you get to the level of play that he's at, and you're going to talk. It's it's fun. It's a fun. It's supposed to be a fun game. I love that. I love hearing that. I love it when Baker does it. I love it when Jarvis, Odell, anyone does it. I think it makes the game way more fun when these players talk to each other, especially on social media. I think it's hilarious. And that's just a competitive. It's a competitive sport, and this is a this yeah. is a sport where like you're supposed to dominate the person opposite you. And I love it. I think that's what makes football so much fun. And and I think Jeff is right. He's probably going to get two sacks. Our line is banged up. We've given up the second most sacks of any team this year. So we've given up 18 sacks, which is crazy. Um, so yeah, love it. All right. Um, that's a generational thing, I think, Rod. Well, I mean, you have to keep in mind, Danny, Danny is a, is a Baker fan. So he likes the, the, the bravado and, and that kind of stuff. So, and that's okay. I mean, I don't don't have a problem with it. Um, I hated it when they took away the celebrations for the NFL for a long time. I was a huge Chad Johnson, Chad Ochocinco fan uh, for a long time. I loved his celebrations. They were hilarious. They were awesome. And when they took it away for a while, I was, man, I was like, ah, that's, that's the worst. And now they're back. And I, some of them are really good. Some of them aren't that good. But you got to take the good with the bad. And I, I love it. It's, a, it's one of those sports where it's like if it was tennis, it doesn't make sense. Like, because <laughs> it's not as physical. And uh, but football is like you're supposed to dominate and you're supposed to like 
That's why I don't like the taunting rule because yes, that's the whole point, you know. I was going to bring it up. The taunting rule has gotten completely out of hand. Okay, to even be able to, you know, they can't even look at another guy now. They're they're throwing a flag. I mean, are we going to? I mean, you know, there there was a joke about putting a skirt on a quarterback for a long time. <laughs> Do we need to put skirts on all the players now? <laughs> I mean, seriously, these guys can't can't take an, another guy even saying something to their face now. Well, I mean, look, I don't they gotta throw that guy. I think it's the old school owners. I mean, the NFLPA has a big part in this too. So the Players Association does play a huge role in this as well. And a lot of those guys voted to end that stuff as well. So I don't know who's to blame, but I'm with you. I love, I love it. I think it's that's part of football. That's what you think when you think of football. Like you think of imposing your will, and when you truck someone, you want to flex and be like, ah. So I don't know. I. Yeah, I'm on the same page, but yeah. I, I think they need to find a line for it, you know. And I think they're I think they're way off the line right now. It's just they they flag too many things at this point. That's my thought. I, I think the NFL is ridiculous in how they change rules from year to year um, to suit yeah. whatever whim is driving it. Um, you know, we we don't know what. Pass interference is from one year to the next. We don't know what a catch is. Neither do the, the officials. Next. And neither the do officials the officials don't know that's either. Right. That's right. So they, they constantly change and adapt the rules. <laughs> and, and that's one of the things that, you know, drives me crazy about football versus other sports. You know, baseball in particular has had the same set of rules for, you know, over 100 years. Okay. Oh, pretty where, close, but yeah. Yeah. Where, you know, football changes constantly. And it, it, <laughs> it drives you nuts. But it does. Um, you know, there, there's also say, a point where you have to listen to guys like Paul Brown, who said, when you get to the end zone, act like you've been there before. OK, and that's, I agree with that's that. the difference in the generations that. now is that, you know, we 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 like the entertainment factor of, you know, the dance and, and you know, the taunting and, and all that stuff, because it's it's exciting. It's it's more drama. In, injected into the game where you know the game should uh, in and of itself should be enough drama you know but we have to artificially supplement that with you know things like that so um i don't know i'm not i'm not a fan of any of that i'm, I'm too old and set in my ways to adjust to you know guys dancing in the end zone um What's but the, the nfl changing rules drives me crazy was it barry sanders jeff or which player who um I'm trying, I can't remember which guy always just handed the ball to, to the official when he scored. Well, Barry, Walter, Pay- Walter Payton did Walter, that. Barry Walter Sanders Payton did that. Did. Yeah, um, both of them. Most, okay. most of the great okay. running backs throughout you know the history of the league um, wouldn't be caught dead dancing in the end zone. Um, yeah, because they know they're going to be there again. Right. They're like this. Yeah, man, this it, it, almost, it almost shows more bravado to act like it's nothing for you to score a touchdown. It's exactly. like, man, I'm here, and I will be back. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. no, I like used to it because I'm coming back. Uh, on, on the inverse of that is it, sometimes it makes it look too easy, and people forget how difficult the sport is. Mm-hmm. And then you have people thinking they can go play in the NFL. Like Tim Tebow, for instance, who thinks he can just switch positions and – 
come as a time and actually make it like <laughs> some of those things make it look like it's too easy and you know, I, I love the celebrations i think it it it's hard it's extremely hard and when you make it it, uh, it is hard but you know, it, honestly, I, I don't hold anything against Tebow because you know what? They, they signed him. You know, I mean, yeah, but give the guy a try, and, and you know, if he if he's if he can't make it, be honest with the guy instead of putting him out on the field and cutting him after one preseason game. That was a coach thing for sure. Like he should. Yeah, have- that wasn't very nice. I mean, I didn't think that was very nice of Urban Meyer. I mean, just be honest with the guy. Yeah, yeah Tim. That yeah, we would love to have you come play for us, but yeah, it's not going to work. You've been out of the league for eight years and you've never played tight end before. It's embarrassing. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Yeah, I'm thinking I might go out for You know, I, I saw Tim Tebow play uh, in, in Akron when he's trying to play baseball um, mm-hmm. against double A players. Um, and, you know, the guy's just not that great an athlete. Um, it's, the, it's the what? headlines, it's all about the headlines and the distraction. And, you know, Urban Meyer is as good as anybody at distracting. So, hey, get whatever mileage you can out of Tim Tebow, but um, he wasn't going to do anything. Yeah, I mean, I mean, the guy, the guy is, um, I mean, he's he's fit. He works out. He's a he's a pretty big guy and everything. So you know, it worked in college. Um, you know, he was able to to do well, and you know, and. Somehow, man, he got to he he got he did well in the playoffs that one year with Denver. <laughs> Somehow, I'm not sure how. And then all of a sudden, he was just done. And um, you know, I, I don't hold anything against the guy. You know, if, if people are going to give you a chance, why wouldn't you take it? So you know, I don't hold anything against him. But um, let's get back to this game so we can because we're we're uh, kind of running way over, guys. So um. Let's real quick here talk uh, talk some sacks. Um, the uh, the Broncos have 14 sacks on the season. They have given up 19. So before we do our score predictions to kind of wrap this up, I want to know how many sacks Vaughn Miller's going to get in this game and how many sacks Miles Garrett is going to get in this game. Well, so, you I got to uh, step away for one minute, but I'll be right back. Okay, so Jeff, so how many? I'm going to say two and two. Two and two. I've, I've already given Von, Von Miller the two that he's predicting. Um, I'm going to say Miles is going to get two as well. And I think the rest of our defensive line is going to, going to feast on Denver as well. Okay, man. So, so Jeff's got two and two. Um, so I can't go two and two. So... I don't know. I think I think Von Miller's going to come up just short. I'm going to say he gets a sack and a half, and the Browns like celebrate and are all in his face because he doesn't get his two. And Miles and Miles does get two, so I'm not very far off. But I'm going to say the Browns somehow pull it off and they they hold him to a sack and a half. So um, so we'll go with that, and we'll let we'll let Danny give his prediction when he gets back. So. Um, as far as the the score of the game itself, um, you know, I mean, the Browns are missing a bunch of guys, but I just I I just feel like um, like they're going to get enough out of their offensive line to let um, to let Dearness Johnson and John Kelly uh, run a little bit in this game. 
you know, I, I wish I knew whether uh, Jarvis was going to play or not, because that would be a big factor in my, you know, my score prediction. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I, I just I think they're going to be able to run a little bit. And I know Denver's a pr- pretty good against a run and everything, but I think they'll find a way. I think I think I just think Dearness Johnson's going to have a decent game. You know, I don't think he's going to run for like 150 yards or anything, but I think he'll run, end up running for close to 100 in this game and maybe score a touchdown, um, a touchdown or two, maybe. Um, so I, I've got uh, I got the Browns winning a low scoring game. Um, 17 to 13, and it's probably not going to be a real exciting game, but kind of low scoring. A lot of the Browns trying to grind it out and throw short passes, kind of like what we've seen. And I just, I think the defense steps up in this one and, and does enough to help the Browns win it. So, uh, hmm. I'm going way under because the over under is 44, and I'm I'm saying 30. So, yeah. uh, so, so Jeff, what do you, what do you see in this one? Well, I'm, I'm really worried about this game in case you hadn't picked up on that already. Um, yeah. I, with short week guys being out, um, just a general sort of doom and gloom around the team. Um, I just think it's going to be real hard to energize these guys for a Thursday night nationally televised game. You know, they're out of their normal routine. Um, you talked about momentum earlier um Mm -hmm. and i think momentum is really against this team right now um i hope they figure out a way to win this game because i think it's really critical to to the rest of the season they want to go into this mini buy on a win um and then build on that uh, in the coming weeks but i just have a, a really bad feeling about this game um you said 44 is the over Yes, 44 okay. is the over-under. All right. I, I have now sworn off ever taking the under again um, because I did it once, and <laughs> it was like the biggest blowout of the season. Um, this so game is going to be the under. I will almost uh, guarantee the, that this game the, will be the under. I'm going to take the over, but just barely. Okay. And I'm going to say that. The Browns are going to score 20, and the Broncos are going to score 24. We're going to lose this one 20 to 24. That's just barely going to make the over. Oh, boy. All right. Jeff Jeff picking against the Browns. Uh, let's see. Have you picked you picked against the Browns yet this season? I'm trying to think. Yeah, I, I think don't I did the KC game. The KC game. Okay. It was Mo picked against him in the in the Vikings game. So okay, I was trying to see um, if it was a good sign or not, but I'm not sure. So, <laughs> anyways, all right. <laughs> Are you back with us, Danny? Yeah, I'm back with you guys. And I, uh, sorry, one second. It's all right. So um, back at uh, so on your so, question, I think that. I think I'm I'm with you on the sack. I think Vaughn will get one. I think he could get two. I think the opportunities will be there for two. Um, are you giving Vaughn two? No, I'm going to give Vaughn one. I think he's going to get one. One. Okay. I think he's going to learn from his fumbles uh, last week. Or not last week, but just Sunday. I think he's going to learn from that. I think he's going to take – he'll probably take more than one sack, but I don't think Vaughn's going to get more than one. I think he'll get one. 
I think Miles will probably get one. And I think Jadavian will probably get one as well. Um, and I know we didn't hit on it at all the whole time, but Clowney has been a great signing. I mean, he's been fantastic. You know, he missed one game, but he's been phenomenal. What does he have, three, three and a half sacks? Um, I don't have the number in front of me, but I think he's right up there. With, yeah, with three or four, something in that range. I mean, so, yeah. Been a big, he's been a big reason Miles has already he's, eight sacks through six games. Oh, oh yeah, Miles has a lot, or uh, uh, Jadavian has a lot of hurries and stuff. So he's he's uh, he's uh, he's definitely been a, a big factor for the Browns, and he's you know he's played well against the run and everything else too. So, Absolutely. so okay, so um, so you got Vaughn with one, Miles with one, and Jadavian with one. Um, oh, for sure. So I what's think I do I, think Cleveland will out sack. Denver. So I think we're going to end up with more sacks than Denver, but I I just think that Miles will get for sure one, and Jadavian will get for sure one. Okay. So how do you see the how do you see the score coming out on this one? Um. So I'm actually with Jeff on the score, not for the Broncos though. I'm I'm 24-20 Browns, and I could even I could even see 27-24 Browns. And the reason I say that is Chase McLaughlin has been a blessing in disguise. The kicker has been on point the whole season. So um, so are you going twenty seven twenty or twenty seven twenty four? Which one I'm gonna go I'm gonna go twenty four twenty Browns. Okay. okay. But I wouldn't gotcha. be surprised if it was twenty seven twenty four Browns. But I'm still okay. picking Browns either way. But I'm gonna call it I'm gonna say twenty four twenty Browns. So, so you're hedging whether or not they cover. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. Yeah. All right. So you guys are both taking well, I guess the over. You're right at the forty four, but yeah, we'll just say that's the over. And I'm taking I'm taking the under by quite a lot. So so um we'll see. But uh two of us have the Browns winning and Jeff Jeff has the Browns taking a taking a tough loss. So um we'll we'll see what happens, guys. Um, I know we all hope they win, so that's that's the, that's the key. So, uh, so guys, uh, been a lot of fun talking. We've gotten into a lot of stuff here, but um, we've we've gone way over our usual uh, uh, time length here. So I'm I'm gonna let you guys each uh, give some closing thoughts, and Danny, you're the guest. We'll let you go first. Hey, I appreciate you guys for having me. Um, it's been a lot of fun. Really appreciate it. Love talking Browns. Love talking football in general. So yeah, really appreciate really appreciate you guys having me on. And sure uh, just in closing, I just want to say, you know, this team was in a similar spot last year. I know we weren't exactly three and three, but very similar spot last year. This is this Thursday night is going to be a big game. I think we're going to win it, and I think we're going to have a pretty significant turnaround as we all expected. So I just, I encourage Browns fans not to get too down on this. And I just, you know, look at, I, I said it earlier. I tweeted it earlier. Look at the 07 giants and Eli Manning. You know, that was his first, that was his fourth year with the giants. They ended up winning the Super Bowl. No one thought they could do it. Everyone thought they were done. And then, of course, they got the Patriots at the end of the year, and everyone thought they were done, and they pulled it out. So just try and be positive and just try and not spend that, 
that negative that negativity is it's fine to to want better for your team, but I think what we have here is a pretty good thing. We got a great coach, we got a great young general manager, we got a great front office, we got really great young players. I think we're in a gonna be in a really good stretch for a long time here. So just you know, nothing but positivity for me, and I really appreciate you guys. Absolutely, great talking to you, uh, Danny. And um, guys, follow him at Danny Cox West on Twitter. Uh, Jeff, final thoughts? I hope I'm wrong on the prediction. Um, I hope Baker plays. I hope he has a great game, um, and I hope we dominate the Broncos because that's what this team needs this week. We really need a win. And however that happens, I hope we get it. Um, I just hope we're sitting here next week talking about how that Thursday night game turned our season around um, versus sending us on a tailspin. Um, all the talk about Baker and everybody else, let's figure that out after the season. You know, we can we can decide whether Baker is, is Matthew Stafford or Jared Goff sometime in January or February. Okay, <laughs> right now, let's get some wins. Sounds good to me. All right, this has been the Browns Blitz, and we will catch you next time.